Happy Easter. I am grateful to spend the High Holy Days with you, Christmas and now Easter morning. Uh, I'm Father John Rutten, the chaplain director at the St. Thomas More Newman Center, and uh, part of pastorate number 20. Whenever I look at all those things, I always have to remind myself, those are people. We are people. But as happens, it's easier to find a way we need to speak of each other. But it's important that we recognize that we're a people, not just a group that we're trying to fit into pieces. We're faces and families and communities of people that have been gathered in certain ways, and it's times we need to move things around and shake things up and do things, and your communities have been a beautiful witness of the ways in which we can be open to differences and trust that things become even more vibrant. And certainly this large gathering here this morning is a sign of the vibrancy of a people who come from multiple places to say, ah, this is where I think we should go this morning. And so I'm grateful that uh, Father Joe Vogel said, I think St. Joseph and Elk Point is where you should go this morning. So here I am to celebrate Easter with all of you. My family grew up in a neighborhood in Sioux Falls that uh, had terraces that we would go sledding on during the winter season, and they were great because it wasn't just a one quick bam. It was like you got multiple hills, and you kind of went up and down and up and down, and then you'd come down to the bottom at this uh, large grandstand at Terrace Park. And one year they forgot to put away one of the picnic tables. And about halfway down the hill was a picnic table. And it was ordered in such a way that as you're, like if, if it's going down the hill, you got the seat in front of you and then you got the table and then you got another seat. So you can kind of just picture this. Uh, and it was up against a tree and uh, didn't think much about it, didn't worry. It was kind of off to the side, and we all loved to have fun. Did this for generations. My mom grew up at Terrace Park. She raised her family. We'd go there every winter at Terrace Park. As the grandkids grew older, it was just a way we lived. Whenever the family was together, we went to Terrace Park to go sledding. My niece, I don't know, maybe nine or ten got on an awesome sled and hit the hill and gained speed. And suddenly I looked over and saw she was heading right for the picnic table. And her head in that seat were going to meet. And the faster she went and the closer she got, the more helpless it seemed like we were to do anything about it. Right at the last moment, she leaned back and went right under the picnic table. I was reading an article yesterday morning in Kelloland News about the hope that people have that Easter celebrations will bring people back to the church, will bring people back to churches. 
They interviewed Father Joe Holtzhauser out in Pier. They interviewed a Lutheran, I believe. They talked to some other people, a sociologist or something of religion, and recognized that over the decade, the number of people who have practiced their faith has decreased. Over 30 years, the number of Lutherans is like something like 40% down. While ours in that period isn't as bad, ours actually in 10 years is much worse. And then it detailed different things, reasons that this happens, people moving from rural communities to larger communities. Uh, You know, when you move to a larger community, there becomes other things that take up your time. Talked about politics and how that affects people's desire to be a part of certain religious bodies. Talked about younger people in a demographic that aren't really interested or don't feel moved or find the church to be a place. Talked about electronics and how people can just get online and watch their services. It was a broad Christian ecumenical point, but it had the Lutherans and the Catholics at the heart of the article. Certainly. Well, I don't think they intended for the Easter article to be so depressing. But it can feel like we're speeding up towards destruction. We're speeding up. We're getting faster. We're getting closer to like the end. And it isn't just the church. From my experience of talking to students, you can stop practicing your faith and things aren't going to get better. How many of us know family members or friends who deal with the sufferings of life? have difficulties that they don't know how to deal with. The advent of the self-help movement, the encouragement to health and fitness and wellness, all of these things are people's answer to the fact they feel something's coming and they don't know what to do. And that's something they can get their hands around. Feels like it's in our control. I can be saved and so can you should be the modern slogan of the world. The article depressed me. The article made me sort of tense. But not because it was talking about destruction. Not because it was talking about decline. As a matter of fact, I'm not really worried about that. The thing that distressed me, the thing that was a longing that I thought, what, what, how come, was not once did it mention Jesus Christ. You see, life is a moment in which we feel like we're heading somewhere and something surprising comes about and saves your niece. Something happens in a way you don't plan or weren't expecting. And suddenly you realize salvation isn't up to me. And if it's not up to me and I can't do it for myself, then why am I all worried about you? See, the article seems to think the church is like a political organization or an Elks Club or a community center. Now it affects the political realm because we should be involved in the lives and the communities that we want to live for goodness and truth and love. 
It should be involved in academics. Heck, it's the origin of the university and the desire to teach all people about the reality that they live in. It should be a part of building community and everywhere you go across the globe, the church became a place that could go across lands and seas and start with nothing. But because of people were together, something could come about. And you have whole states like California whose cities still bear the names of people that gather together in the name of the church. But my friends, if we go deeper into those realities, the reason they gather together and the reason that Santa Barbara is named after a saint isn't because of the saint. It's because of Jesus. We must go back to the origin of what it means to be a Christian. We must recognize that to be a Catholic, yes, has effects in certain ways that call us to go out. But first, if we don't realize someone who comes in in a surprising way and changes our lives and answers that longing that we have. If we don't realize that the one who lived and moved and breathed 2,000 years ago is still a presence living and moving and breathing in our lives today. Then the Republican and Democratic parties have a way better operation. But no political affiliation will give me the peace I need when I wake up each morning and feel that anxiety and I don't want to get out of bed. No community group can fulfill that longing I have that even when I go into a group of people, I still feel like I'm alone. No health or fitness or wellness program can give me the fullness of my life that makes me feel like I am who I am. But I am is still present among us today. And when we pray for the grace to see the origin of who we are, when we live the the temptation to have answers and we realize I can't solve this, in a way maybe the demographics are the thing that will help us get back to where we need to be. We say, I don't know. I've tried everything to get my family back. I've tried everything to get my friends to come to Mass. I've tried everything. Nothing works. Then maybe we'll come to a question and say, why do I come here? Which is a question I have for each one of you. I'm fortunate because I don't know if you... uh, come a lot or a little or you're from here or somewhere else or whatever, but it doesn't matter. All of us, even I had to ask myself the question as I was driving here, I had to say, like, why am I a priest? I mean, really, I asked myself that question at least once a month. I am, why did I do this? (laughs) I mean, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because he is someone in your life, even if just a faint echo, that you sense, I still want to hear that voice? The Newman Center, there's some Nepalese Hindu students, and I've always wondered what it means to bring the gospel to them. How is it that I I can feel like helpless in front of that situation? 
They love to play ping pong, and I want something more for them. And one day around a bonfire, uh, they asked me, uh, they were talking to me, and I said, oh, well, I'm an alum here. I went here, and I graduated here in the year 2000. And one of them stopped for a moment, and he thought about it, and he says, well, then why are you a priest? I told 20 Hindus because I'm also an alcoholic and when I was in treatment center, Jesus Christ showed up to me in a prayer and changed my life. That wasn't how I thought I would witness the gospel to these Hindus. But friends, that's the essence of why we're here. Is because someone surprises us and answers the longing we have. And it doesn't begin in today's age just out of nowhere. It usually sparks because we see someone else living in front of the fear in a way that we think, ah, they seem free or freer than me. Someone who seems to answer in front of the world that can stand up in front of the world and isn't always despairing or looking in the news and thinking it's our answer and go on and on. But someone who's like, ah, I don't know. I'm surprised God saved me. But think, I want to hang out with that one. This is the direction I hope we start speeding up. And how does this happen for us? It happens just as it did in the first days. It says here that they became witnesses of all that he did. Witnesses of all that he did. If he hasn't done something in your life, you need someone else to witness to him. And if he has done something in your life, you must have the courage, pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to your friends and to your parishioners and to your community members and your co-workers and your children of the way in which he answers your need. And maybe it's just the fact that you're faithful to five minutes of prayer and somehow your day is different because you do so. That's Jesus. Or maybe you've had a powerful experience. Or maybe you've found that going to Mass on a regular basis helps you live each week differently than before. That's Jesus. Or maybe you've found that the Scriptures are a place that really are the Word of God, and when you delve deeply into them, something wells up in you, and you sense that you're closer to God. That's Jesus. Or maybe you've been on a retreat to Broomtree, and you've found a place in life where you've disconnected just enough that God reconnected with you. That's Jesus. He promised us where two or more are gathered in His name. He is present. But if we don't recognize in his name, the world thinks we're a political organization or a community organization or a fitness organization or a spiritual boot camp instead of the divine who surprises us and saves us. There are some students that are coming into the church. Kind of surprises me. Why would nine students desire to be Catholic in today's age? 
right out of the University of South Dakota. They're drinking and swimming in all of the stuff. There's one young man who wasn't raised with faith and didn't really know anything. He was baptized as a young boy, but his family didn't really practice from much after that. And he started hanging out with some friends that were on his dorm floor. And those friends are a conglomeration of evangelical Christians who know the risen Jesus in their life and Catholics who know the risen Jesus in their life. And as he started hanging out with them, the more and more they do, wherever it was that they went, he began to realize that the things that's different about them and me is they have a life of faith in Jesus Christ. And they have a community that they belong to and go to frequently. And so he wanted that. And he went around to a few different churches and he said when he walked into the Newman Center, he had a sense that this is my home. And so we took a long journey of helping this man grow in awareness of who Jesus Christ is in his life, growing in a life of prayer, recognizing the importance of community, learning about the Catholic Church, realizing the gift it is to himself and to his friends and the world, opening his heart to change things in his life that need to be changed. And just last week, I had the last interview with him. Thinking I knew how he ended up there. Thinking I understood how he was saved. Thinking I was a part of this master plan. But I've learned, ask people questions And let them speak from their heart. And that's how you learn to be surprised by Jesus. He actually was in class. And there was a girl in class who's a very quiet little girl that's at the Newman Center all the time who I don't really talk to often. She's an introvert and I'm an extrovert and I don't know what to do in front of introverts. They don't want to talk. Like, I don't know, I'm scared. (laughs) Let's go find somebody that wants to talk. I didn't even know they knew each other. But they were in class together, and I guess she had seen that he had started showing up at different activities with these friends. And so she had invited him to come to Sunday Mass, and he was a little nervous about coming in front of so many people. He didn't know there was such a thing as daily Mass which is the secret I'm discovering about Catholicism. Almost no one knows we have Mass every day. And when people who find Jesus recognize this, they light up like, I can do this every day? And she said, you know, you could come during a daily Mass. It's a smaller crowd and you might not be so uncomfortable. And so... Bailey was the one who witnessed to him. And I had never heard that story in the whole journey. If she hadn't recognized him, if she hadn't had the courage to invite him, if she hadn't had the dialogue that helped her understand where he was and what was his block, she would have never known. And yet this quiet, humble woman 
witness to the risen Jesus. And the man said to me as he was concluding, he said, I was trying my life to find a place where I belong. And a friend I met in class eventually invited me to daily mass. And coming to that daily mass was the spark that ignited a flame. It literally became like a burning in my chest. I began to want to learn more, and eventually it led me to want to be Catholic. And and I want to be able to receive the Eucharist. In this journey, I've become more patient, and I've found a place I belong. Jesus Christ, risen, will always be be the answer to the human heart. But hearts most easily recognize that he is the answer when it meets a witness. We are here today because he is here today. If you recognize the fire in your heart, consider that maybe this is Jesus. If you've been provoked in a certain way from the minute you entered the door like this young man, maybe it's Jesus. If you're alive or if you're having a thought or if you're wondering what's going on or if you're wondering why this priest won't stop talking, (laughs) maybe it's Jesus. Have no fear. If the world seems like it's heading right toward a picnic table. Because God will show us something that surprises us. And then we can say to ourselves, that is Jesus risen from the dead. Happy Easter.